get over Ming's kingdom, we should land near the entrance of the abandoned drain tunnel. Our ship can be well concealed there. I remember the place. Hi, Barney here. Welcome to Loco Ludus, a podcast about tabletop game modifications, homebrew, DIY, conversions, kit bashing, and so on. In this episode, episode two, I'm able to reveal one of my very exciting guests. We recorded an interview on Tuesday, which was great. So that's going to be coming up in the next episode, and I want to give a bit more preamble information about that later on. But before I move on to all that, I'd like to thank a couple of people for their responses to the first episode. There's been a whole load of uh, friends and family who've been very uh, supportive and, and complimentary, so that's really nice. I've also had a couple of uh, messages left via Anchor, which I'll play in a moment and um, respond to them. That's fantastic. But also a couple of videos uh, popped up from my friend Tom Barbele of My Rules Are Better podcast, which were um, motivated, you might say, by episode one and my, my mention of what he's up to. So on to the anchor messages. Hey Barney, it's Dave. I uh, just got round to listening to your first episode in a lonely hotel room in Seattle. So thanks for that. Wanted to say welcome and to say I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, looking forward to hearing uh, these guests that you've tantalisingly alluded to. Looking forward to hearing you co-host with your son. Yeah, excited to hear more. Oh, and I wanted to say, yes, good choice of pick. Strontium, do- Strontium dog, that's the best. I'll catch you soon, Barney. Oh, and also homebrew, kit bashing, sharing your modifications. Great choice of theme, very clear mission. Um, yeah, so I think I'll enjoy that a lot. Cheers, Barney. So that was Dave from Deeper Centile podcast, also on Anchor. He mentioned Strontium Dog because I had given him that as a recommendation for a skirmish game on a previous episode of his podcast. And if you check through his back catalogue of podcasts, there's also one on strontium dog the role play game so that was the the point of contact there i want to dwell on that for a moment because um i am a bit of a 2000 ad fan so the worlds of strontium dog and mega city one of judge dread and other 2000 ad creations have had quite an influence on me especially as a gamer and the strontium dog skirmish game published by warlord and written by uh, Andy Chambers and Gav Thorpe. It's a really nice, really nice publication. It's a really nice thing. So although it's it's a, a fully fledged rule system with a full miniatures range, it has something which I feel is open and encouraging of that m- homebrew DIY sensibility and I'll talk about that more it's something that I'd like to come back to Um, I've really enjoyed it it's got a lovely custom dice uh, system and at the end of November 
Warlord will be bringing out uh, a Judge Dredd game by uh, the same authors. It's really nice to hear Dave's enthusiasm for the modification DIY homebrew kit bashing slant and the same from a message from Joe. Hey, what's going on, man? It's Joe Richter, and I'm just calling to say hello. Welcome to Anchor. I'm super stoked you decided to go ahead with your podcast. I heard your message on Dave's show, and I was hoping you'd do it. And the fact that it's going to be focusing a lot on homebrew stuff makes me super happy. I run an entirely homebrew world um, and sort of mechanically actual play game. Um that's super fun and I, I'm just a home brewer, brewer by nature and so I'm really excited to uh, talk about that stuff with you and see where this whole thing goes man so congratulations welcome and I will talk to you soon peace out so thanks Joe that's such a lovely message I'll have to uh, catch up on your podcast and get a sense of what you've been up to and then um, yeah I really look forward to talking with you more and now this Justin from Spencer. Hey Barney, Spencer here. Um, I just wanted to say uh, welcome to Anchor. Really enjoyed your first tantalising episode. I'm currently laid up at the moment. I'm in a hotel room. My wife and daughter have gone out for something to eat, but I just wasn't feeling up to it. I'm coming down with something or other. But I just wanted to say... Um, your soothing voice has been a real comfort <laughs> and uh, yeah I can't wait to hear what's in store for us listeners anyway take care well it's incredibly nice to hear that you find my voice soothing Spencer because sometimes I listen back to it or my kids listen back to to me talking and they we all laugh because it sounds a bit robotic. So I don't know, maybe maybe that there's a kind of soothing robotic quality. But thank you very much for the compliment. Of course, Dave was stuck in a lonely hotel in Seattle. And Spencer, you almost sound like you're really quite poorly there, struggling to breathe. So thanks ever so much for the message uh, in your in your compromised situation. I'm sorry you missed your dinner and maybe a holiday or something like that. It doesn't sound like that's going the way it should. Anyway, get well soon and um, yeah, I look forward to some more interaction in the future. Thanks a lot. Before I reveal the identity of my special guest for next episode, there are two things that I'd like to mention. The first thing is something that I'm calling the ludic behemoth. And by this I mean some kind of interdimensional potential being, thing, creature to which we can offer ludic suggestions, play suggestions, game suggestions. So I have in mind that as an offering to the ludic behemoth, one might suggest 
a game mechanic or component and uh, an underrated character archetype or skill and perhaps if that doesn't completely fit board games perhaps how the different players or different factions or teams might operate in a game so what I'd love is to hear from listeners what suggestions they have as offerings to the ludic behemoth and then perhaps from time to time we can take stock of them and see if there are any interesting combinations that take place the second thing is that for a while now i've been thinking about developing a homebrew blade runner role play game and i think it might be quite good fun to develop it step by step on the fly as part of the podcast so perhaps once i've set out some of my starting principles uh, listeners might like to make some suggestions some critiques and we'll see how that all develops it's also quite a good time to do something like that because although it completely escaped my mind until the other day when I started listening to uh, a series of uh, short essays on the BBC, on BBC Radio about Blade Runner, that the film takes place in November 2019. So I think now is a good time to start that little project off and let's see where we go with that. It's time to introduce my fellow loco ludologist. Hello, Imi. Hi. And it's also time for us to reveal the identity of our special guest for next episode. Very exciting. It's roleplay designer Chris McDowell, author of Into the Odd and the upcoming Electric Bastion Land. The setting is Bastion Land, which is an alternative Britain in the industrial age. It's full of every crazy thing one can imagine. Players take on the roles of down-and-out treasure hunters who are still marked by their failed ex-careers. Every gang of treasure hunters also starts out with £10,000 worth of debt. No, we rolled the debt. That's true, Immy. That's very true. So Immy's just pointed out there that... um, I, well, he didn't realise, but I'd done a little modification to the game. I decided for the one-shot games that we ran that instead of the group having one lot of debt together, that they would each individually have different amounts of debt. Uh, So smaller amounts, but uh, some would be more in debt than others, but the, the pressure was equally the same. But for what Chris is putting together now for Electric Bastion Land, um, he's saying it's £10,000 worth of debt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this debt idea. I think it puts everyone on the right role-playing foot, which is to say it's the kind of the back foot, the wrong foot in life. It means that the 
the players are all slightly downtrodden, under pressure, having to take on work that may or may not be uh, so uh, safe or morally uh, good. There's also this sense of momentum where you've got the debt collectors chasing after the the characters. So there's no opportunity for them to um, hang around and do nothing. It, you know, it gives a good tempo to the game. So how does this speak to the homebrew mentality? I think that Chris has done a really good job of providing just enough information and points of reference for players and GMs to really create loads of their own material. It's really a free-for-all with with every kind of possibility, like Imi said, available. This this world is just brimming with possibilities. Nothing is being closed down or shut off. Plus, because the rules are so simple, um, it's it's totally possible to add in your own little mechanics here and there, which which I did during the game. Imi, what was it like playing the game? How was it with the groups and the different characters and the different situations? I've played two games, and in the first game, we were more of one together. Mm -hmm. We were a team, which we were also in the second game, but I'll come back to that in a second. In the first game, we were on a mission to find an endless power source under Bastion, the capital of Bastion land. In that game, we had a rival who also put pressure onto into the game. Mm -hmm. And how did he how did he put the pressure onto the players? Yeah. Um, he knew that we weren't very clean with all the <laughs> things that we were doing. Okay. And so he shot at us at one point. Yeah. And then he also got um other friends or other helpers uh -huh. to stop us. From getting the power source. So as a rival, he was, um, he was he was trying to get the same thing as you. Yes. Mm -hmm. And was he was he ahead of you or behind you or how did that work? Um, that was different at some at different points. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, he was behind us, mm -hmm. and then he caught up with us. Mm -hmm. But we. I can't remember where we were, but he passed us, mm -hmm. and then he was in front of us, mm -hmm. ahead of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, did, was, were there were there were there things you had to figure out? I mean, how did how how did that work with with the characters and your stats and your skills and your items? How did people use the uh, well, one of our players was an interesting player because he had already died. And we had a mm. magical item which let us make anything turn invisible or mm -hmm. not be able to be seen mm -hmm. forever. You can't take it off. And it said only living things are not allowed to mm -hmm. be... It doesn't work on living things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But as we had one person on our team that was already dead... Mm -hmm. We decided to smear him with this paste <laughs> that makes him invisible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he was kind of our lookout. 
and we had also had items which helped us on the way like we met a, a man who who was fish that was fishing frogs mm-hmm. for his energy mm-hmm. because in the end uh, a giant frog was the endless power source mm-hmm. and we needed fishing gear and he was he he had a bad taste in his mouth and one of us just so happened to have slug tasting chewing gum with mm. us and mm. that's how we that's how we sweeten up the deal <laughs> <laughs> now Imi, you've raised a very interesting point because in the interview with chris um i asked him about the gum ah and he and he tells us how many types of gum there are in Bastianland. So listeners will have to uh, wait to hear about that. Um, Imi also points out a really important element of the game as well, which I think has a lot of implications for homebrew uh, role-playing. Um, it's this idea that the world is full of what uh, Chris calls has called oddities, which in Into the Odd are called Arcana. So rather than having lots of characters who um, have lots of special skills and modifiers and that kind of thing, what you have mm-hmm. is this world filled with oddities of minor up to major level. So it's quite likely that an ordinary character will have one or two oddities which which function like um special items magical items or special skills allowing them to do something um right up to much bigger much bigger oddities that that are um that have much greater power so what 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 that has for uh homebrew is that chris only really gives a few examples of what these oddities might be or how they might operate so that entire world is open to whatever kind of oddities you want to create so it's these weird these weird kind of antiques that do different strange things so whatever you can think of for your games for your characters which uh, will well, maybe hinder them, but certainly certainly help them, uh, is is totally up for your uh, own creation. Imi, do you want to say something? What's also quite interesting is um, every player is is everyone is very good, or is everyone mm-hmm. is the same good? Mm-hmm. Because the weaker players have cool items, mm-hmm. whereas the stronger players have got not very or mm-hmm. doesn't have as very strong or interesting helpful items mm-hmm. but yet they are very strong or have lots of hit points mm-hmm. or money so this money. is a this is another nice thing that chris has put into the game that like Imi says the the more if you like physically uh physically able you are in every sense the, the the less interesting your items are so he's w- tried to work out different ways that the different random combinations you you get when you create a character in their own idiosyncratic strange ways balance themselves out 
a little bit. Plus, because you've got the debt and you've got all of that stuff happening, it's something quite fun playing a character who might be might be quite weak or only have one hit point or something like that. It 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 adds to this really messed up uh situation that that the players find themselves in. The second game was quite different because we were on a mission to steal a future forecaster. What was really funny about this was that nobody cared that they were basically the bad guys on a on a robbery mission. We just needed the money. Exactly. <clears throat> um and in this game it actually happened that we didn't really need any combat. Mm-hmm. So it was all just being planned. And in this game it was really important who who everyone was. Because to get into the house where we wanted to get in mm-hmm. we we got a verminator that was an ex verminator that that had all of the gear to check <laughs> to check round at the house and um without the verminator it would have been a completely different story mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there were some other characters as well whilst you were whilst you were snooping around the house trying to figure out how to get in and figure out what your plan was. There was some funny... Yeah. We had a spider person that could climb up walls. That was... It was a, some it kind was of... very interesting. Like sideshow performer, I think. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Something like that. It was it was very, very funny. And, and I think there's an interesting point here, just to keep this very simple uh, for now, and maybe come back to this another time, that if players are expecting to have lots of combat in a role play game or or you know do all this very adventurous stuff um i think it's quite interesting that there is the possibility that maybe um you can still have that experience of the adventurousness and the tension and the challenge but without actually having to really fight anybody i don't know if you agree about this Imi, but I think part of that uh, l- lack of combat in that adventure was to do with the fact that in Electric Bastion Land and Into the Odd, combat can be quite dangerous because mm-hmm. damage is dealt directly. And so there were lots of threats a lot of the time and they, and you know, it's very, very serious damage could have happened to the characters. And so I think that sense of the threat came across so strongly that a lot of the time everyone wanted to avoid uh, fighting because it because I think it was very clear that it could have become very overwhelming. So they always had, all of you guys had to keep kind of moving or really thinking about where to go and how to act. Yeah. Yeah. I do agree. And uh, I mean, you know, and because of that again, it's it's another it's a question of inventiveness. And so what the group did was they they you know, they came up with so many advent- inventive solutions. And so for me as the GM, it seemed um totally right 
to go with those uh, to go with those solutions, those inventive solutions, because that's that's where the energy of the players were going, and um, and they were totally in character. They were totally legitimate for their actions in the in the turn. So there was no reason to 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 stop any of these things, and and every time they just sneak by, every single time, um, pushing pushing the the situation on and the next step of the resolution so um the pace was just just always always yeah. moving on um Amy, could you say something about some of the 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 equipment or the items i know we've talked about that a little bit but um i just i just think that's a really nice aspect of it and um uh yeah, so there were um damage there were items that you could deal damage with, mm-hmm. like a pistol or a baton or a knife or mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. really. Um and there were lots of other things like as I said, chewing gum mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or special boots or um anything really what was that thing that you had that you really wanted to oh, use yeah. but but you didn't <laughs> i didn't chance? use it um it was a potion i think it was beast mode beast mode beast mode uh-huh. potion yeah yeah or drink and it let you be any it let you have any animal quality for one minute mm-hmm. so we always ha- held that ready <laughs> but in the end we never needed it mm-hmm. because we thought we were going to have to get out of the house as quickly as possible because mm-hmm. we'd thrown smoke bo- smoke bombs in it we we'd done anything we'd, yeah. we'd broken glass and everything yeah. and we thought maybe i maybe one person had to make be really big mm-hmm. for a while so mm-hmm. that everyone can sit on it and hold the hold the um the machine the I machine yeah. but we found out that the machine was really hard and the person that we were stealing it from was actually the person that we should be working for, and in the end, we did help her. So some so some cunning cunning tricks on my part. <laughs> so Immy and I have decided to draw an end to this episode, and an end to our attempt to give some kind of introduction to this wonderful game. Electric Bastion Land and Into the Odd by Chris McDowell. So we just hope that you enjoy the next episode, episode three, and that we can pick up uh, on this discussion after that sometime soon. Bye.